You're listening to a podcast from Victory. A leader's folly is trusting his own wisdom. Know more about trusting God's wisdom in week four of Rise and Fall. Welcome again to our uh, leadership series known as Rise and Fall. And we're going to have a picture of what a leader and how a leader should be and what kind of leader we would want uh, for ourselves. Thus, we will eventually be influenced but, uh, by that kind of leader and we become leaders that is also worth following. And I know that for the past few weeks, we've been uh, discussing about the life of uh, Abimelech and roughly about two weeks ago, we did talk about the life of King Saul and about a week ago, we did talk about the life of King David. And today we'll talk about the life of King Solomon and how we can glean and learn from really how the Lord has catapulted them to a place of success. A week ago, I've been browsing the web and um, I saw an article of a famous personality that received a phone call from his banker after earning $1 million and spending it for the next 30 minutes. He received a phone call telling him to be very cautious and not to rush into buying a lot of things. And this man is Mr. or Dr. Shaquille O'Neal. And the reason why I did say this is because this man is an epitome of success, knowing for a fact that after he uh, was uh, given the chance to be one of the famous stars in NBA, that it was not just his number one goal. In fact, if you're familiar with him, that after uh, he has reached the pinnacle of success, that he uh, pursued his bachelor's degree, and followed by his MBA degree and his doctorate degree. Because of that decision that I would never just revolve around how I can possibly earn money that I can spend. And because of that decision to never rush into things, but to always evaluate all his decisions, uh, eventually he became really a successful, not just basketball player, but a businessman. Wherein he's involved with uh, uh, roughly about 155 burger uh, restaurants and 17 Auntie Anne's pretzels, the store, 150 car washes, 40 fitness centers, a shopping center, a movie house and clubs, and every single year on top of that earns $23 million because of a decision, a simple decision that if I have the money, I would never rush into things. And this is most of the time our downfall that we rush into things because we tend to really uh, get emotional and we uh, tend to be excited of what we want for ourselves. But I hope that you would never get me wrong that there's nothing bad uh, by being so excited. But we have at times to really, in a way, uh, prevent our, ourselves from being so caught up uh, with, with what we want uh, for, for ourselves and for our lives. This is why I believe that this wisest man on earth, okay, and this richest man on earth, okay, no other than King Solomon is similar to really how Shaquille O'Neal started. But the problem with this uh, man is that there was something that he was unaware that has caused his kingdom. Last week, we talked about David. And we asked the question, how can a good person be so bad? Today, I want to ask a similar question. How can a smart person be so foolish? How can a wise man do foolish things? And it is kind of ironic for a person who knows how to go about the questions of life and the challenges of life and how he would, in fact, write in his book, in the book of Proverbs, his advice on how we need to proceed about 
uh, facing life's challenges, and yet he failed as an individual. This is why even though Solomon loved the Lord, he also loved some other things that distracted him from the Lord. In the end, those other things won and caught his attention. His failure stands as a warning for all of us that we must be wholehearted in our devotion to the Lord. This is why success requires making a wholehearted and wise choices every single day. Not just a wise choice, because a lot of us here, I believe that you love God. Am I correct? You came here to listen to God's Word, and you want to have a relationship with God. But the problem is that if we love God, there is a possibility that as we go about life, that we would want to entertain other things. This is what happened to King Solomon. He loves God alongside with other gods. This is where we get into trouble. That if you love God, it is God and God alone who deserves our worship. But there is a possibility that yes, we have a relationship with God, but we're willing and we are at times are accommodating other gods other than the God of the universe. This is why I believe that Solomon is posed for success because before he started his reign in Jerusalem, he received his advice from what? He received uh, an advice from his father. And the name of his father is King. King what? King? There was an insider's tip that his father advised him. And thus, I believe that it was a good head start for King Solomon. That he is starting not from the scratch, but he is starting with so much, okay? That he can call an advantage that he can capitalize on. The advice of his father in First Kings chapter 2, verse 2, I am about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man and keep charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. Yes, Solomon was a man of wisdom. But it is not a guarantee that though you're a man of wisdom and you have made great choices, that everything will fall on the right places. It is a reminder for all of us that though we started strong, let us be what? Cautious that we don't fall in love with other things that might deviate our attention away from God. Remember this, the problem is not because you would want other gods. The problem is that we have a relationship with God. We know God, but still there's a possibility for you to entertain other gods. This is what happened to Solomon. So I want you right now to uh, open your Bibles in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 1 to 15. Verse 1, Solomon made a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord, and the wall around Jerusalem. The people were sacrificing at the high places. However, because no house had yet been built for the name of the Lord, there was no temple yet. In verse 3, Solomon loved the Lord walking in the statues of David, his father. Only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was... The great high place, Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. In verse 5, at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask what I shall give you. 
And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. Verse 7, And now the Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern your great people? In verse 10, it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this, and God said to him, Because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind. So that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. God is simply saying, there's no one who can come uh, close to the affluence of Solomon. And thus, in verse 13, I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. Verse 15, And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Then he came to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and peace offerings and made a feast for all his servants. Can we just take this time right now to dedicate this moment to God? Heavenly Father, thank you for indeed you are good. And Lord, thank you for giving us, Lord God, Lord, a valuable lesson this evening that we can learn from Solomon that as we go about life, Lord, and give us wisdom and understanding and discernment that we can make right choices that brings honor to your name. We thank you for your faithfulness in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Because of Solomon's wisdom, he became an accomplished and a learned scholar, a brilliant man and philosopher. He was a man of prayer when he dedicated the temple. Above all, he was a man of wisdom. His kingdom reveals a pattern for the kingdom that I believe, okay, that is similar to the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. So King Solomon is a great leader, a great king. And thus, this man is not just great. He is the wisest king. He is the richest king. And he is a peaceful king. The wisest because he wrote Proverbs, Song of Songs, and Ecclesiastes. And thus, I believe that he is not just a great leader and a great king, but he is learned as well. In uh, that manner, he is also the richest king. In fact, every single year, okay, the revenue of his kingdom is roughly about 39,960 pounds of gold. That is a what? An earning of $1 billion a year. Think about that. He has so much, and he is a peaceful king. This is a, a time where uh, the pinnacle of uh, really prosperity took place in the kingdom of Jerusalem. Thus, for 40 years, there was complete peace. This is a beautiful picture that uh, indeed we can attribute to how Solomon has led his uh, kingdom. But his heart was, in fact, gradually led astray from the Lord when he disregarded his own advice. And what was the advice of Solomon? What was Solomon's message in the book of Proverbs? To what? Be cautious to never rush into things. If you were to ask Solomon what kind of advice he wants to give us, 
through a song, this will be the song. You can sing. This is a worship song. There is so much we can learn from Solomon. And the reason why he deviated from the purposes of God because he was, he was led astray by the love of his life. He was devoted to God, but there was something that really caught his attention. This is how it all began. Solomon made a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. That vice, okay, in the book of Chronicles is to never associate with what? With the Egyptians. Remember that when uh, Israel was under the what? The rulership, okay, of the Egyptians and Pharaoh, they were what? Liberated from God. That God has promised that God is bringing them to what? A, a, a place of milk and honey. Now I just can't even understand why would Solomon make a U-turn and affiliate, okay, himself with the Egyptians? wherein they were liberated from. And thus God, okay, is against the whole idea. This is why the people were sacrificing at high places, however, because no house had yet been built for the name of the Lord. There was no temple then. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statues of David, his father, only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. Solomon, we know, is a person who loves God, just like any of us. So what really happened here was not his intention that he doesn't want to fellowship with God. His intention was, was not to uh, cut ties with the Lord. He wants God in his life. But the only problem that we need to always recognize in the life of Solomon that he included and he what affiliated himself with a woman, okay, that uh, he should not be affiliated with. In verse 4, and the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there. For that was the great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. That's how he loves God. How many of you here, you love God? Amen. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask what I shall give you. Isn't it amazing? If God will ask me, Pastor Ryan, what do you want me to give you? What do you want me to bless you with? What do you want me to give you? How many of you here, you want this question from God? If God will ask me, the first thing I will ask is for, for God to, to grow my, my wisdom. Amen. <laughs> I hate you. I know where you're coming from. Okay? That's just what I will ask from the Lord. And this is why I am so intrigued in his journey and God's interaction with Solomon. And Solomon said, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart toward you. It is amazing. Some of you are still laughing. Okay, let God rebuke you. My point is, <laughs> he did not get into what God is asking from, uh, uh, what, what, what God is asking from him. He can dive into the uh, whole idea that he wants something from God, and yet he looked back and thanked the Lord for how the Lord established the what? The kingdom of David. In verse 7, And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David my father. He was simply saying, Now I am the king. Although I am but a little child, 
He was humble enough to admit that he is limited. I do not know how to go out or come in. He was simply saying, I just can't do this. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to govern this, your great people. And the reason why I did mention that, because he was only asking something in behalf of his people. And a lot of us here, given a chance that we have this kind of opportunity, we will always think for the things that we want in life. Am I correct? This is why it is important that we can glean and take a closer look into that when we are asked by God, always remember this, that you ask God not for just for uh, things for your own consumption, that you ask God to be a blessing to other people. And this is why the Lord blessed him more than wisdom with all the riches, that he was asking God more than just what he wants for himself, that his desire is to rule the kingdom and have a discerning heart. This is why it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. This was what Solomon wants. Behold, I now do according to your word. Isn't it amazing? He asked God, give me wisdom to govern your people. I'm for your people. Yes, I want to be blessed. But before you bless me, let me be a blessing to others. I do pray that all of us in this room would have that po posture that more than just what we want for ourselves is that we always think of the people around us. We will think of the people uh, that God has blessed us with. We will think of our relatives or, or family members, our friends. You'll think of the people around you, beside you, and you, you, you'll, think, you'll think of me. I'm just kidding. But my point is, we're a Solomon more than just what he wants for himself. He was simply saying, God, give me wisdom so I can govern your people. And if you take a closer look, God granted discernment and right judgment and everything that God wants to bless him was added after that. Solomon desired for wisdom. In fact, Solomon wrote the book, okay, and the book of Proverbs. And if you take a closer look, and if you're asking me this question, okay, that was asked about a week ago. So how do you define wisdom? It is a bit abstract because uh, there is no specific definition for wisdom. We can define, but the, the best way to go about knowing what wisdom is, is to go back to chapter 1 of the book of Proverbs. Isn't it amazing that the first chapter of that book speaks of how and what wisdom is? And the, the, that book speaks of the kind of wisdom that goes back to the concept of how we go about instruction. So if you want to grow in wisdom, how many of you here want to grow in wisdom? Yes, you want to grow in wisdom, and the starting point of that is the fear of the Lord. But wisdom in itself is what? A form of instruction. Education through correction. And I'm telling you right now, if you're a type of person that you don't want to be corrected, you will never grow in wisdom. How many of you here, okay, you're, you're thankful that somebody goes out of his way to correct you? I mean, I can, I can receive correction from people. But every time, I don't know for what reason, every time a wife goes out of her way to correct me, there is something deep within my soul that is just demonic. Do you understand? <laughs> if you're married, I don't know why. And that is my struggle. And that is my prayer. I want to listen to my wife. I can listen to a lot of people, but when my wife tells me something that I need to improve, there is something rebellious from deep within my soul that tells me she's wrong and I'm right. 
But I know that God is using my wife to correct my heart. And I hope that in the same manner, if you want to grow, you want to mature. How many of you here, you want to, su to succeed in life? You want to prosper? Only a few. You want, you, you want to die poor, right? Come on now. <laughs> Nobody wants that. So if you can take heed of instructions and correction, don't aspire to be blessed by the Lord. Part of wisdom is discernment. The ability to see what God sees. At times there's a tendency for us to react. But when you see the way God sees, instead of reacting, you will respond. Am I correct? Same thing with, with understanding. If you're growing in, in wisdom, you will grow in understanding. The ability to understand the whys of life. There are so many questions out there. But the answers are so... Are so... Few. Okay? No, 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 no. There's so many wise out there, but if you're reading your Bible, people would be asking so many questions. But deep in, within your heart, you, you, you will explain to yourself that, Lord, I know you're in control. There are certain things that I can't answer, but one thing I know, you're in control. And you can respond in that manner because you have a relationship with God. You can easily understand. That's a man of wisdom. That you'll grow in prudence. The ability to know the dangers before us. There are a lot of clueless people out there. That they want to go about certain decisions based on their emotions. Pastor, I'm in love. Yes, I'm telling you right now. Okay? Our emotions are, are, are given by the Lord, but you cannot trust yourself when you're so emotional. Hear this loud and clear. You cannot trust yourself when you're emotional. When you're bitter and you make what major decisions, it, it, is, it will be for your own destruction. I mean, if, if you ask yourself and you evaluate all your decisions in the past, wherein your emotion, most of these things are the things that got you into trouble. Am I correct? Because again, we listen to what we feel. We have to take the posture of God that we do it according to the wisdom that God has blessed us with. Knowledge, information that is deeply personal. A lot of us here, we think that as long as I know this subject, I think I have what it takes to make accurate decisions. I'm telling you right now. At the end of the day, if your relationship with God is not right, no matter if you have a master's degree, you have a doctorate degree, you have all the degrees, I'm telling you that you will make wrong decisions. Because if the basis of making right choices is based on your pedigree, okay, and the kind of university you came from, I'm telling you right now, this country could have been, once again, the tiger of Asia. We have great, what? Government officials. But at the end of the day, the problem is not how educated you are. The problem is the condition of your heart. When you are away from God, if you don't have a relationship with God, if you're not wholeheartedly devoted to God, you will make stupid decisions. I was... Just reminded that when we did talk about two weeks ago of who King Saul is, somebody who doesn't have any heart, no heart at all. When it comes to his relationship, we get no heart at all. About a week ago, we did talk about a person who is wholehearted. No heart, whole heart. You know who Solomon is? Half heart. He is half hearted because he wants God, but he wants to accommodate other gods. He affiliated himself with the Pharaoh's daughter. But the Bible is clear. In fact, it was him who wrote this definition of what wisdom is in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. 
Wisdom grows when we fear God. And every time we mention the word fear, there is a negative connotation. The word fear is not something negative. In fact, the word fear means that this is what? This is a picture of God and His holiness. His holy that you tend to run away from, but He is full of love that He's calling you in. Do you understand? Let me say that once again. That God is holy that you tend to run away from because you're not holy, but because God is holy and He wants to call you in, you can't help but be, but be in awe of who He is. That's the kind of fear. This is not something that you are what? You're, you're, you're asked to stay away from. This is not the kind of fear. This is the kind of fear that draws you in. That is why the more we experience the holiness of God and the grace of God, you can help but be amazed that your fear is not from the posture that He's holy. Your posture is always, yes, He's holy, but He loves me so much. And if you have that experience, you know what I'm talking about. The more we experience the trembling awe and wonder before the greatness of our God, the more that we have a high regard of who He is, thus it causes us to gravitate to Him. There is a type of fear that causes you to run away from God, but this type of fear causes you to gravitate towards God. This is the kind of fear. This is why God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breath of understanding. As measureless as the sand of the seashore, Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the men of the east and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than any other man. I doubt when I was reading this passage in the Bible, he was wiser than any other man. There is somebody I know who's wiser than any other man. The Lord Jesus Christ that you have invited in your heart a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, months ago, living inside of you. Isn't it amazing? That indeed there is somebody greater than Solomon. And yet during his time, nobody was greater than him. He spoke 3,000 Proverbs. Isn't it amazing? 3,000 Proverbs. If you talk to him, he'll just mention a proverb. Top of the head. He's that good. He's like me. He's that intelligent. I'm telling you right now. And his songs numbered a thousand and five. A thousand and five. He's a great composer. You hum, he has a song. Do you understand? After taking his breakfast, he has a song. He doesn't have a song. He has a song. He's the king. And this is why, okay, he was awesome. He described plant life. I don't know if you, if you can imagine with me, he was walking in the cool of the day and he saw a plant. I'll explain the plant life. <laughs> what a guy! How many of you here have encountered people that are like that? They have always something to say to a certain topic. Fashion, fashion, talk to me. There are people that are like that. Finances, you talk to me. Beauty, talk to me. How many of you here have encountered people that have something to say on certain topics? And at times, you just have to keep your mouth shut. Okay? He described plant life. From the cedar of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of, of what? Of walls. Merong lumot palabas. Alam ko yan eh. The chlorophyll, okay? Of the ecocentric of... He can explain. He also taught about animals and birds, reptiles and fish. I mean, he was probably enjoying the, the cool of the day and he sees an animal. He can explain what, what an animal is. 
He's, he's a biologist. I mean, he can do a lot of things. He can explain a what? Uh, reptiles and, and fish. He's into fishology. I'm just kidding, okay? I don't know what you call that. In verse 34, Solomon's wisdom. Solomon's wisdom sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. People flock into Solomon to hear him speak. Isn't it amazing? Because he's full of wisdom. In fact, not just that he is full of wisdom, he demonstrated wisdom. His, he's the Renaissance man. Did I say it right? Of his era. And this is something that all of us are familiar of. I don't know if you're familiar of two prostitutes fighting over a what? A child? Remember that story? With the prodigal son? Remember that story? Yes, but I know. It's not in the Bible, okay? And some of you here, you believe that there is a prostitute and a prodigal son in the story of King Solomon. What kind of Bible are you reading, okay? The story, okay? In 1 Kings chapter 3, two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. Oh, my Lord! Okay? This woman and I live in the same house. And I gave birth to a child while she was in the house. This woman's son died in the night because she lay on him and she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me while your servant slept and laid him at her breast and laid her dead son at my breast. There was an exchange. The other woman said, no, the living child is mine. Okay? Look at, look at his nose, okay? And his collar, okay? You can't question that. Okay? It's not in the Bible, but I love to put collar. <laughs> and the dead child is yours. The first said, no, the dead child is yours, and the living child is mine. Thus they spoke before the king. You know how Solomon went about in verse 25 of the same chapter? And the king said, divide the living child into two. And what kind of advice? <laughs> Just divide it, cut him into half. And give half to the one and half to the other. Then the woman whose son was alive said to the king, because her heart yearned for her son, Oh my Lord, give her the living child, and by no means put him to death. Then the king gave his ruling. Give the living baby to the first woman. Do not kill him. She, she is his mother. When all Israel heard the verdict the king had given, they held the king in awe because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice. Amazing. In my own language, amazing. I mean, a man of wisdom. How many of you here, you have friends, okay, that are very intelligent? Every time they would open their mouth, <gasps> you're amazed, you're appalled by their answers. How many of you here, you have intelligent friends? Okay? How many of you here, I am that... That, that friend of you. <laughs> you have intelligent friends. This is similar to the Queen of Sheba. Okay? Saw all the wisdom of Solomon and the palace he had built. It was, it was a, 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 a picture of affluence, the food in his table. I mean, he's, he's eating everything that he can afford. Okay? The seating of his officials, the attending servants in the robes, his cup bearers. And burnt offerings. Okay? He made at the temple of the Lord. She was overwhelmed. She was overwhelmed with everything that what? That Solomon has. But the problem is that Solomon, if you take a closer look, built his palace. If you do your research, Solomon took seven years to build the temple of God. Seven years. 
and 13 years to build his own house. I'm not here to judge Solomon, but he put so much of his time and effort building his own house in the temple of God. It is a proof that he's beginning to erode in his relationship with God. He became more and more attentive to his many wives. In 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1 to 2, King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, Hittites, Mosquitoites. He, he fell in love with all of them. Okay? And he continued to what? To, to, to invite more, more wives and concubines. And the, the instruction was, okay, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 to 5, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your what? Your might. That you don't give in to any, okay? Any other foreign woman. It started with a Pharaoh's daughter. Now he's collecting wives. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them. Don't engage with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. God loves Solomon. And in the same manner, Solomon has this affection to his God. He loves God so much. But he wants to entertain God alongside with other gods. And this is where most of us are in trouble. We want God, but only a portion of our time. We want God, but only every Sunday. God wants our complete devotion. How many married people in this house, in this room? Okay, if you're having a hard time, when you feel depressed, you are. If you're married, raise your hand. Married, married, married. If you're married, and of course, you, you, you love that person, what if your husband will tell you, Honey, mahal, I'll be available to you 24-7, but... One minute, except one minute a day, I'll be with another woman. Will you allow him to do so? I I'm yours seven days a week, except one minute every Sunday. I'll be with this woman. Will you allow that person? You have him 24-7, except one minute. Will you allow your husband to be with another woman? Yes or no? One minute, 30 seconds. Why? You have him. Okay. 20 seconds. Why? Because you want his complete devotion. But some of us here, we think we can, we can, we can play and, and, and dance with God. God wants our 101%. That he's the Lord of our lives. Amen. This is why, because he entertained other things, he started despising wisdom. Because wisdom tells him, you're doing what is not pleasing to God? This is why for some of us here, we despise reading the Bible when we are living in sin. How many of you here, you're struggling opening the Bible when you are in sin? You're struggling. You're about to open the Bible, but you can't when you're living in sin. Because the Bible speaks of godly counsel. The reason why you don't want to be in a victory group, the reason why you don't want to expose yourself with godly friends, because you're in sin. But if you want... Okay, to start with a clean slate and start all over again and obey the Lord. My challenge to all of us is that we give our 101% to God. Even the greatest gifts and all our talents, we know that God has blessed us with. 
but without having the right understanding that more than just our wisdom and talents, even the greatest gifts and wisdom will not keep us from sin if our hearts are turned away from God. You can have the gifts, the talents, the wisdom. And with everything that God has blessed you with, just like Solomon, if you don't give your all to God, I want to tell you and warn you that you are in for a big trouble. The Bible is clear that after the Pharaoh's daughter, you know what happened to Solomon? He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines and his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other who he did not only entertain these women. They have their own gods and because of the gods that they have, I mean, it turned the heart of Solomon and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord, his God, as the heart of David, his father had been. I can't even imagine having 700 wives and 300 concubines. I mean, I, I have one wife and it's fun. It's exciting, right? To have a wife, amen, husbands? Amen. Some of you are having a hard time saying yes. If you can contain one wife, how do you contain three, 300 and 700 wives? The problem began, if you check the Bible, okay, with 700 wives and 300 concubines, about a thousand of them, right? A thousand. The problem is not uh, with the wives. You know the problem where it all started? He has 1,000 women. You know where the problem began? 1,000 mother-in-laws. And I'm just kidding. It's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. Okay? Again, I don't have a problem with my mother-in-law, okay? Solomon was a lot like us. He loved the Lord as every Christian does. But he also had other, what? Other gods and other loves. And this is why, if you take a closer look, we need to always remind ourselves that wisdom should be used with ongoing devotion to God. That yes, in the onset, you have wisdom, you have gifts that will give you the guarantee that you will have a successful life. But don't you ever sit back, relax, and enjoy. Don't you ever do that. Always be in the aggressive posture that God, yes, I know you. Yes, I have a relationship with you. I want to finish strong. Amen. Yes, I'm a follower of Christ, but yes, I can celebrate with all my victories in the past, but every single day, I'm not just trying to be a good Christian. More than just being a good Christian, my advice to you, just like what I've mentioned about a week ago, that more than just being a good Christian, we want you to be a dangerous Christian. That you're not just present in your, in your offices trying to, 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 to beat deadlines, but you want to go out of your way, share the Lord and what the Lord has done in your life. Because that increases your devotion, that you're announcing to the world, to the world that I'm a Christian. This is why more than just your past victories, that you want to, what, move forward and grow in your understanding and your devotion to God, that your devotion is what? Centered on who Christ is. And if you take a closer look of what we have read, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but the best part is that the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Yes, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but I hope that we grow in knowledge of who the Holy One is. This is my prayer for all of us. That yes, we want to grow in wisdom. That we have the gifts to discern things and to, and, 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 and to hear instructions. And to know accurately, uh, accurately on, on how we go about things. But more than that, that we're good in making wise choices. That God, I want to wholeheartedly devote myself to you.
Because if you don't devote yourself to God, something will come along. Remember this. All of you in this room, look up here for a while. Yes, you're devoted to God. But as you continue to live the life that God has blessed you with, something will come along that will deviate your attention into the purposes of God. I want you to know, the kind of faith that you have now will be challenged. There will be an alternative out there that the enemy will offer. This is why. Yes, Solomon was a wise man, a man of wisdom. But his devotion waned. It never progressed. This is my prayer for all of us. That just like Jesus Christ, that as He has lived in this planet, faced with so many questions and decisions, He was not just a man of wisdom, but He devoted Himself to God and He prayed every single day and fellowship with God. In fact, He said in Luke 11.31, that the Queen of the South will rise at the judgment with the people of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now... Something greater than Solomon is here. Who is this person greater than Solomon? Jesus. Jesus. Amen. After Jesus had lived, died, and risen again, He sent the Holy Spirit. He sent Himself, the Holy Spirit, into the hearts of those who would receive Him. And how many of you here, you believe with all your heart that you have the Holy Spirit living in you? That greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. Amen. Therefore, if you're saying that you have Christ in your life, it is important that you are reminded of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct Him? But we have the mind of Christ. If you have Christ in your life, you have the mind of Christ. You are in fact better than Solomon who failed because it is through Jesus Christ that we gain victory. So if you have the mind of Christ, you have the wisdom of God. You can make wise decisions. Amen. Amen. As you grow in your devotion to who God has, can we give God a glory for that? This is where we start answering the question of how you and I can become wiser than Solomon. We can be wiser than Solomon. We begin by understanding the truth that we possess the mind of Christ from which flows wisdom for greater than wisdom Solomon possessed. We have the wisdom now. So if you're a type of person just like me, that you repeated grade school twice, grade school twice, I failed and I flunked PE, physical education. Okay? My class was gymnastics. I failed, my friend. I don't know for what reason. And people have branded me as somebody dumb and stupid. I repeated grade school. I mean, my general average, uh, the lowest that you can think of. That's it. I don't have to say it. Do you have it in your mind right now? The lowest? General average? That's my general average. Okay, add 0.5. That's it. So I, 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 I was convinced I was dumb. I, I lacked the comprehension every time I study. How many of you here can relate with me? Every time you read a book, you have to read it three, four times in order for you to understand what it says. And of course, because you want to pretend that, that, that you have understood what you've read, you would just nod your head. But deep in your heart, there was, I just don't understand. <laughs> but there, there, there's no harm in, in pretending. How many of you here? It's, 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 it's nice to, to display that you know everything, right? If you can play, just display. So I pretend I know everything. But you know, at the end of the day, okay? At the end of the day, people will discover. And that's, that's my life. But when I gained, okay, the mind of Christ, I began to study. And, and I hope I, I, I can have enough time to tell you the story. For the first time, I passed my intrinsic exam in college. I graduated high school. I don't know how. 
God is a great God. Do you understand? If you check my yearbook, it's, it's funny because I came from, from a school uh, for all boys and there's a photo of myself of people that are most likely to succeed. I was in the category of most likely to fail. It was an insult. But now I'm their pastor. I'm just kidding. But it was by the grace of God. I need to be humble, okay? And my reminder is that we need to have the mind of Christ and a devoted heart for God. And this is why I just can't understand, okay, that Solomon was in love with the Lord by walking according to the statutes of God. But because he entertained other things, if you're here right now, you love God, you're coming to church, but you're entertaining someone that will defocus you in your relationship with God. If you are in a venture where you know it's not right, yes, you love God, I love God. But there is something that, that you entertain that you would want to accommodate, that you would want to, 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 to pet. Some of us here, we love our sin so much that yes, we go to church, but we have a pet. I will not let this one go. And I'm telling you right now, that is just a petty thing, but it will ruin your life. Ladies and gentlemen, all of us here, we have a great destiny. Don't throw away your destiny just because you would want to appease a momentary pleasure. A momentary pleasure, just like what we have mentioned, is not worth a lifetime of regret. And the reason why you're hearing this message, because God wants you to hear this loud and clear, because there is still hope that you can make a U-turn and be back in the arms of God. So if you're here right now, this is the message for you, that God wants you to repent and be back in His, His arms, because no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other. Because... If we choose to turn away from God, this is what you will discover. That you will discover that wisdom is nowhere to be found. Wisdom betrays when your heart is turned away. I do pray that as you continue to devote yourselves to God, that every single day you will grow in wisdom. I want you to hear this. That when everything in your relationship with God is right, when your relationship with God is intact, when everything is doing well in your relationship with God, everything will fall in the right places. There is nothing to worry. Even if you have a doctorate degree and a master's degree, and you would want to take a closer look of your problem and assess it from all the what? The vantage, uh, all angles and all perspectives. That you will consider the financial side. You will uh, consider the political side. You will consider all sides. But if your relationship with God stinks, yes, you can solve the problem, but you can solve it momentarily. The solution that God has to offer, and God is offering that wisdom and decisions that you will benefit from for the next hundred years of your life. In fact, it is ironic that Solomon mentioned in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 to 6, he said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Did he do such thing? Did he trust God? Did Solomon trust God? Yes or no? Partly yes, but no. Because if you believe that God can give you victory, why affiliate yourself with other kingdoms? It's an issue of what? Of fear. Let me gain more women so I can gain their kingdom. So I can expand my kingdom. Because I want to guarantee myself the victory that I deserve. No. His advice is to trust God, but he did not trust God. 
And do not lean on your understanding. Did he lean in his own understanding? Yes. He said this, trust the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge. Yes, partly he acknowledged God. In the onset of his what? Of his leadership. Of his reign. But after, okay, years of his rulership, he, he, he set aside wisdom. He set aside God. And he will make your path straight. And the reason why? Okay, everything is crooked in his life. Because he trusted his own ways. My prayer for all of us, that we don't trust our own devices. That we trust God. That we will always, more than just the gifts and the talents, that we will devote ourselves to God. I feel his spirit. Some of you here, some of you, your suggestion is that, and, and, and your reaction at times is that when you're corrected, when somebody goes out of his way to correct you, even if that's right or wrong, I want you to know one thing. Whether that's right or wrong, it is always for your own benefit. If he's wrong and you listen, it's for your own benefit. If he's right and you listen and you're wrong, it's for your own benefit. But because of our pride. We always reason, palagi na lang kasi nakikita niyo yung, yung kasamaan ko eh. That's not what we're talking about. We always go back to the whole idea of God, correct my heart. So I do pray. If you want success in life, how many of you here you want you want to succeed in life? Amen, all of us. I will ask this question again. Some of you are having a hard time raising your hands. How many of you here you want to succeed in life? All of us, right? My advice to you is that you wholeheartedly devote yourself to God, that you don't entertain anyone. In any relationships, even though you are in love with your wife and vice versa, if you entertain something, it can ruin your marriage. Whether that's a picture or a text message, eventually it will ruin your marriage. That's, that's the tool of the enemy. That he would want something to catch up. That if you're not wholly devoted to God, there is always something that the enemy will present as an alternative. So I want us to surrender to God that if there are certain things that are not right, that we hand it over to God and we say, God, we want to worship you. We want to give our lives to you. We want to devote our lives for your glory and honor. And we bow our heads and close our eyes. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity that we just can't help, Lord God, but start our week having you in our lives. Today I pray that each and every person if there are certain things in our lives, Lord God, that are standing in the way when it comes to our relationship with God, I pray that you forgive us. If you're here right now, can we raise our hands before God? Just raise our hands right now. God, we're not just worshiping you. Can we raise our hands all across the room? Two things. We raise our hands as an act of worship. But I want you to imagine right now. I know all of us are familiar. There are times we raise our hands not just in worship, but raising our hands is a posture of surrender. And in Christ, when you surrender, just like any other form of surrender, it is always for their own disadvantage and liability. But in Christ, when you surrender, it is for your own benefit. So Lord, we surrender to you and we ask that if there's anything wrong in our hearts that might stand in the way when it comes to our devotion to you, Lord, forgive us. I want you right now, one by one, to just tell Jesus, Jesus, forgive me. Lord, I can't do this, Lord God, based on my own strength. I want your grace. 
that you have blessed me, you have forgiven me, that you're a gracious God, that you're living inside of me, that I can make wise decisions starting today. I will never base it in, 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 in what I feel. I'll base it in what you have said in your word, that I'm a man of wisdom, and I have a wholehearted devotion to you. So I want you one by one to say, God, give me the strength that every single day I'll, 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 I'll be solely devoted to you. That my heart is solely devoted to you. Thank you that you've given me this opportunity that I can make things right and it's not too late. You can put down your hands. Let me pray for you. Lord, bless this congregation that you give them a good head start. Because you have said in your word that greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. We can do a lot of amazing things. Lord, give us the appetite every single day to love you with all our hearts, mind, and soul, and strength. As we bow our heads and close our eyes, if you are right now in this gathering, you're saying, Pastor, I have done a lot of wrong and stupid decisions. I want to start all over again and I want to do what is right, what is proper, what is pleasing to God. I don't know where to begin, but I want God in my life. If you want God in your life and you want to accept Christ in your heart as your Lord and Savior, just pray this prayer after me. If you want to have a relationship with God. That God is not, God is not inviting perfect people. In fact, God is inviting people that has been living in the dark. And this is not an accident why you're here. God brought you here. God invited you here. God is simply saying, this is your opportunity. I'm giving you another chance. That is what we're longing for. We want another chance. So if you want another chance, and if you want to invite Jesus in your life as your Lord and Savior, with the help of our leaders, just repeat, repeat this prayer after me. Say this after me, Jesus. Say this after me, Jesus. I repent. Say this, I repent from all known sins and I want to follow you for the rest of my life. Jesus, give me wisdom and understanding that I can live life according to your statutes and your commands. Thank you for listening to one of our podcasts. We hope it blesses and inspires you to honor God and make disciples. For more messages like these, or to access other resources, please visit victory.org.ph or download the Victory app for free on the iTunes Store or Google Play. If you would like to share a story of God's faithfulness in your life, please visit victory.org.ph slash mystory.